0: riddle me this where do you look for someone who's never really there always on a staircase but never on a stair more murder and intrigue with author maureen johnson this is book circle online featuring in-depth discussion insight news and commentary on all the world's leading book titles and their authors and now book circle online Hi, everyone. Welcome to Book Circle Online. I am your host, Tammy Govea, and we have in studio with us today Maureen Johnson. I'm going to get these puppies up here. She is the author of the Truly Devious series. Book one is Truly Devious, and her most recent one, The Vanishing Stare. We're going to be talking to her today about these amazing books. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome, welcome. So excited to have you here. I'm very excited. I know to I've said that you know to right. you like a million times. <laughs>
1: it's all right. I'm st- I remain excited to be here.
0: <laughs> no, you were here for the the festival. I was here for the book festival. The book festival, which is yes. always an amazing experience for yes. everybody, whether you're an author or a yeah. lover of books just in general. It's always it's huge. a good one. It's a good one. It's a really good one. How was the turnout?
1: Really great. It was so beautiful. Tons of people came out. They had their books. They It's just excited to see that many people turn out for books it's always very heartening
0: I always you know when this whole Kindle thing came out I was a little scared because I like the tactile experience Mm -hmm. of reading a book Um, so it always excites me when people still have the the hardcovers and the books in hand and they're actually still experiencing that but, you know, you still, it, you can
1: carry a thousand books in your pocket.
0: Well, I know. Pocket. And I finally figured that out. pretty great. I finally figured that out. It's like, you know, I don't have to actually have the physical book every single time. Yeah, you can just have it. Like, know.
1: oh, I'll just whip out a small library. You you know, what am but, I in the mood for? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> it is great. Teenage me would have been very excited. <laughs> I wouldn't be
0: hauling, like, I wouldn't be like this all the time. Oh, the backpack. Got yeah. all my stuff. <laughs> I would love for you to start out by reading a little sure. bit from your book, The Vanishing Stair*. Okay. Yay.
1: All right, so this is a scene in which the main character, Stevie Bell, is returning to her school, Ellingham Academy. She left it at the end of book one and she's coming back in the beginning of book two. Sometimes in moments of confusion or boredom, Stevie Bell ran through the scenes of famous murder novels or shows in her mind. As she sat in another SUV making its way along the rock mountain roads of I-89 away from Burlington and towards Ellingham, her brain decided to run through the opening of And Then There Were None, arguably Agatha Christie's finest work, and maybe the most perfect mystery ever written. Ten strangers find themselves on the way to a remote private island, accessible only by a small boat. All have been invited there under different pretenses, by someone they can't quite remember meeting. All have been made good offers, so they all go. It's not long after they arrive that they realize none of the stories quite tally, and then the bodies start dropping. Going to Ellingham was a bit like that. It was remote. You could only get to it by official shuttle. The letters came and invited you, and maybe you never understood why. Stevie was returning because of an offer, an offer she couldn't refuse. Oh, and there had been a dead body. Hayes Major could not be forgotten in all of this. Hayes, he of the blonde hair and beefy calves and even tan, with his honeyed voice and good cheekbones. Stevie had soon discovered that Hayes' greatest talent was getting other people to do his work for him. His homework, his papers, his projects, his video series. Hayes had loads of people working for him. He was kind of a jerk. He had not deserved to die, no matter how it happened. And Stevie wasn't sure of that herself. All she knew for sure is that Hayes had not written his own show. He, she had figured out that Ellie had written an exchange for $500 and had hidden the fact. Stevie had also worked out that Hayes was on Skype with his girlfriend, Beth Brave, at the time he was supposed to have been across campus taking the dry ice that killed him. So, someone took that dry ice, and the most likely person to have done that would have been someone who held something against him, like, say, having written a show for him thinking it would go nowhere and then finding out it was going to be made into a movie and worth millions. But loads of people had things against Hayes. And Ellie grew up in a commune and wore garbages clothes and didn't seem to care about money. Thump, thump, her heart was going faster. There was no reason to go down this mental road, no reason to revisit the guilt. She had pointed out a fact, and Ellie had run away, and now the crisis was over, and she was going back to Ellingham to finish the job she had started.
0: Stevie, Stevie, Stevie. Stevie, Stevie, Stevie. Stevie, Stevie. Okay, so I'm going to start by saying, I started reading the book. And then I thought, it it reminded me, as a child, there was a radio station that would play the old school radio programs. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I remember turning my little Mickey Mouse radio on and kind of going to sleep with these murder mystery type of stories, right? So when I started reading this, it reminded me of those stories. And I thought, I think I'm going to do an Audible if you know see what because I hadn't done one before okay so downloaded it and that's what I did and it was so much fun
1: that makes me very happy I had my little
0: blankie and just like all by myself and just listening to it so it was an amazing experience so I highly encourage obviously you know the tactile is always fabulous but this is an amazing experience as an audible great narrator as well she's insane Kate Yes, oh, yes. She's amazing. Really. She just, yes. No,
1: so did you hand pick
0: her? I was given or... a
1: choice. So I yeah, and I was I said,
0: "Please." So good.
1: Yeah. Also, no, audiobook narr- narrators are I got to s- sit in on some audiobook narration and I I've, I've contributed to some and just the art of what they do, how they do it, how they're paced, how they it's a whole it's it's kind of amazing. I didn't realize how much went into it until I was in a recording studio with one to see how masterful they have to be. Um, so yeah, she's
0: great. It felt to me like it would be a kind of beast project as a narrator. I mean, like they, they handle it's their job. I mean, they handle. They have to do a lot of you know, accents and um, just all different types of
1: people, and they have to be able to signify to you who's speaking and when conversations
0: change and. And the awesome. different intonations of, mm-hmm. of voices, so you can differentiate the characters. And, yep. Yeah, she was masterful. So thank you. Thank you for that experience. Tell us a little bit about... True, And this is part of a series, mm-hmm. the Truly Devious series. I'm going to do this again because I want people to see these beautiful covers. Who did the covers? A, a beautiful person at Harvard College. Look Collins. at this. Yeah, they're really... They're I really amazing. love them. I love these colors. They're very um, portrait-like. Well, one of the... So, this is a mystery series which
1: breaks the definition of a mystery in a yeah. lot of ways because mystery should be contained. And I know that. <laughs> but I knew that going in. And the first question I asked myself when I was setting this up is how do I do this? This was, it was from the jump, from the word go, it was always structured to be exactly as it is. So, a the, series. A series of three specifically. Everything was set out for the three books before book one was ever started. So it was always meant to be exactly the way it is. And I started at the end. I wanted to write-
0: Fascinating. Yeah, I started
1: the, I started with the end. I wanted to write a classic mystery series. I wanted to write a couple of different things, including country house, locked room, and the isolated location. You know, everybody's trapped on an island. Everybody's, you know, I, I when I was a kid, I was obsessed with all mysteries, but the ones I kind of carried on constantly uh, were The Westing Game. And then there were none. Honestly, I anything that everybody was all in a house together was, and there was a mystery was a tremendous fascination to mm-hmm. me. So this is a story that takes place in, in the present, but it features the past quite a lot. It's the story of a school called Ellingham Academy, which was built in the 1930s, by a man named Albert Ellingham, who was a giant tycoon. He owned newspapers, a, a movie studio, just a kind of major American figure, and he decided to make a school as a game as kind of a machine for learning. And he went to the mountains of Vermont and built this amazing mansion and just an amazing campus. And he lived up there as well, and his one day his wife and daughter went out for a ride and they were kidnapped. His wife was murdered, um, his daughter disappeared, and then a student at the school was killed as well. And it's considered one of the, great, the century's great crimes. And in the present day, Stevie Bell is a true crime fanatic who wants to be a detective in life. And she writes to Ellingham, because Ellingham admits you if you have a thing. Like, you make art, you make machines, you make music. She said, I want, I want to solve mysteries, that's my thing. And I want to solve the mystery that happened there. And they admit her. And she tries to solve this case from the 1930s. But then in the present day, one of the students dies in an accident. And she believes it's murder. And that's sort of where the story kind of sets off.
0: You started at the end, you mm-hmm. said, when you were writing this. Yep. With this particular genre, mm-hmm. I'm a huge Columbo fan. I like it. So I love there's always a million clues and a million different directions that people are going in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a piece of hair is a, is a clue. A paper clip is a clue. Mm-hmm. The way the wind is blowing is a, is mm-hmm. a clue. How, as an author, do you navigate the story? Because, like you said, it, it starts off, it's based on a crime that happened in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. But everything's going on in modern day. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. It's for sure it's a lot of stuff. I I did that by starting, and
1: I always picture it. Whenever I talk about this book, I start doing this gesture, because I did everything in the middle, all the tight little information, the, the central event is a kind of little hurricane in the middle uh, where the why, the how, I'm pointing, like, you can't see this, guys, but there's a little thing in my head that goes like this. So that's a reference point? Yeah, for, for me, you? it's like the center is the, the crime itself, and then there are concentric rings around. that. That's where you drop the clues. That's where the stuff kind of blows out from. The paperclip, the, the open window, the this, the that, are all of these little traces around this event. And as you get further and further out, you only get little pieces of detritus and then you pick them up and then you follow them in and in and in and in until you get to the center. That's how I mentally picture it. I don't know if that makes any sense to anyone else, but that's how I, that's how I do it. And because yeah, the center of the crime, this is the, the clues are stuff that have sort of blown off. Like there was a storm and you're picking up little pieces to try to figure out what happened.
0: I love the fact that Stevie's a, a true crime fanatic, mm-hmm. and, you know, in modern day, today, that... It's a good time for us. It's a great time mm-hmm. for two-crime. The podcasts are off the charts. Mm-hmm. Why, do you, why do you think that is?
1: I, because people have always been interested in it, and um, for a lot of different reasons. And we... Podcasts are... I'm a podcast fanatic.
0: <laughs> I, have, I have a real problem. Should I, we have an intervention? Probably. Okay. It's not. I'll it's talk not a someone.
1: terrible idea because I always have. You know, I have a, a a weekly roster. Like, oh, Monday I get this and this. Tuesday I get this and this. But for example, she references um, my favorite murder in here, which is probably the biggest true crime podcast, and it's the way we get to talk about. Um, it's not that it's funny or it's cute. It's just that it's a terrible thing. We want to look at it and find and figure out why it's happening. And figure out what, how to feel about it and what to do about it. And my favorite murder is comedy. And they say all the time, like, people a lot of times don't understand how we could be a comedy podcast about murder. And it's because, not that we're laughing at it, we want to, we're, we've always been fascinated and we process it through humor.
0: And I love the community that's been built mm. from it. Yes. Yes. GM. I know. <laughs> Okay, but here's here's a funny thing. What's a funny so
1: thing? So I, I mean, I, I find it funny. I dedicated the book to the um, the community of Murderinos of that show, uh, but I it was misspelled. Oh no! So Karen from my favorite murder was like, "Thanks so much, yeah. you misspelled Murderino," no. and I was like, oh. <laughs> "I hate myself."
0: Oh, she was really cool about it. She was like, "It's fine." Well, that's that's the comedy in it.
1: I know. It, right. That it. Checks out, it fits.
0: How did this story come to you? Was it Jennifer, how did Stevie find you? uh,
1: Really wanting to write a straight up classic mystery. And then I wanted it also to be a detective story, subset detective. And then I had to figure out how to make a detective who was 16. Cause that's kind of hard to do. You know, usually they're adults for a reason (laughs) because that's, you usually have to be an adult to be a detective, that makes sense. So I had to, I custom built everything around that premise. So I, I constructed Ellingham, sort of brick by brick.
0: Literally, um, I mean, when I looked at the picture that is in the book of, of the campus and mm-hmm. the buildings and the names, and I built it all intensive. I asked for a map and they made me a map. It's really beautiful. It's gorgeous. Yeah, it's really
1: nice. I loved it. I felt very lucky. I was like, look, look at this beautiful piece of art. It's really gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you like
0: to have it, like, literally? I have a copy of yes. it, yeah, it's really gorgeous. And frame it? Mm-hmm, I have one. <laughs>
1: Of course you do. Because it's lovely. I mean, you can't see it, but it's. I great. know it's, for our podcast listeners, it's. it's it just imagine something great. It looks like that. It's, it's like it's yes. It, it looks like that. It's really beautiful. Here, let me do
0: this. I don't know. If you, you won't, know be, able you won't be able to see You'll it. You won't be able to see it. You'll never not, be able to. It's see not see. going to translate. Just but don't even try. Ellingham Academy. Where did that name come from? I'm just fascinated because everything is so specific, mm-hmm. and you know, there's no such thing as a writer. Every word counts. Mm-hmm. Every word matters. So Ellie no. It's a name I like. Ha! <laughs> from a character from a different show that I just, I just really liked. And okay. I was like, I'm
1: just gonna, I put little nods to things. There's nods to all kinds of things in here and every once in a while people go, is this a nod to this or that? And I'm like, yep. So you pulled it from your toolbox? Yeah, I put little I things down. I'm like, I put you a little, put a little something there. I like putting things in, I'm very, I'm very detail oriented and kind of futsy. And I, to make some of the stuff in here, I had to work with, I know, I'm lucky. I know a lot of engineers and I was like, Hey, engineers sit. And I know a uh, submarine commander as well. So I sat down cause I had decided.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can't, see,
1: I can't, I almost gave away what happens in book one. So I can't, <laughs> but I needed, I needed a, an expert in Gases and enclosed spaces yes, so I, I have you know I had them help me construct my space and the ventilation, and then I had to, you know I spent a lot of time writing making maps and things and drawings on pads a lot of-
0: and it translates because you can you can feel as a reader that that the claustrophobia when you talk about the the tight spaces and enclosed spaces, you can feel that I do a lot of measurement I'm like, how wide would it actually be <laughs> how how yeah. big.
1: I was like, oh, I'll fuss on those. I'll do those things forever. Ten foot by ten foot? Eight foot by eight foot? Let's figure this out. What's the calculation?
0: So, I'm fascinated by the sophistication of the YA genre. Mm. I was, I think when, um, Megan is actually the one who said, you know, you need to start reading some YA because here's the level of what's being written. And it's sophisticated, intelligent, and I don't. I don't know if there's a line between. There isn't really. A, there isn't. No, between. When, people, when people ask what is the difference, I see mostly just
1: who it's who it's marketed towards. And one bad thing is that it means that the people it's marketed towards are sometimes now being a little bit shut out, like teens shut out of teen literature. How so? They kind of getting things are getting marketed more towards adults or. You know, there's just different ways that they may be shut out of the
0: discussion because it's gotten so big. So we have to make sure to be like, hey,
1: these are really for you.
0: How is the turnout at the festival? Great. Okay, it always good. is. I mean, it's good.
1: that's just an amazingly beautiful
0: festival. And
1: I don't know if you know this, but the weather here is kind of nice.
0: <laughs> that's it what I've heard. Makes me Poor angry. people are snowed in in Chicago mm. and they can't get back. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: No, no. You, uh, you, um, you. It's, it's irritating how nice it is here. <laughs> frankly i can't be healthy to live this healthily going outside breathing i don't know
0: yeah it is highly annoying that's what we've heard (laughs) it's not great but i mean i don't know you just walk around and there's fruit on
1: your trees there was staying at my friend's house and she's like oh you want a lemon there's a box of lemons free lemons outside someone i'm like what is this weird garbage lemons?" (laughs) then i got so excited i took a lemon i'm just carrying a lemon around because i can i was like i got a lemon I found a It lemon. smelled
0: really great, it I'm sure. It smells great.
1: Yes. I pulled an orange off a tree. I'd never done that before. I was like, look, an orange. She's like, uh-huh. I'm like, no. Do you see the orange? I picked it. Yeah. <laughs> we're so sad where we're from. I'm from New York. It's, we're very, you know, here it's very, ah. it's the difference, yeah. You can't see it on
0: podcasts. podcast. One is scrunched and one is expensive. There you go. Thank you for referencing that. One is expensive. I want to talk about your background a little bit okay do you always start off as wanting to be a writer yes
1: okay i have no other skills i'm not good at other stuff they don't let people like me like direct air traffic or anything (laughs) like that it's just not a thing what did you write when you were little i remember writing well you try to write books when you're little and you don't know what you know i think they were about cookies you know dogs cookies roller skating I tried to write mysteries, but I didn't know what to do, so I was like, I'm five, I don't know. Did you have a diary? Not really. No? No, I wasn't a diary person. I was more, I would just write endless descriptions of things. I was big, like, just sitting in class, just writing 15-page descriptions of rainstorms. That's my thing. seemed to be my gem. I like to write a description. (laughs) You're good at it. Well, I got them down a little bit. You've perfected it. They used to be a little bit longer.
0: Yeah, that's what I remember doing a lot of. So how did that translate? You know, doing something as a, as a child and then actually... Writing is a behavior.
1: And, you know, a lot of people get that behavior of the thing they like to do, or, you know, whether it's a sports thing, creative thing. Uh, my mother always knew she wanted to be a nurse. You know, uh, so she became like a hospital volunteer when she was a teenager. You know, she... I think sometimes... You don't always, and don't if you don't know your thing, don't panic. That's totally fine. Um, but I went to school for writing as an undergrad, I went to school for writing as a graduate, um, just wrote all the time, had some jobs, didn't do anything but write, I was a terrible employee. <laughs> they knew it, they seemed to tolerate me, they seemed to be like, we should Doesn't do anything, but she's very interesting, We might as well keep her around like a weird office pet. We know she's writing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One thing you've mentioned, and I think this is off your website, every writer I know was a teenager writer who just kept going. Yeah. So this kind of ties into, you know, people ask you, how, how do I get published? How do I become mm-hmm. an actual working writer? Yeah. You just keep going. You just keep going. You literally just keep going. Because um, no one can stop you.
1: That's a great job because they cannot stop you. You can just keep going. You're like, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> um, and it's easier than ever now because you don't even have to kind of disguise what you're doing as much. I used to have to have, hide my notebook on my lap, and now you just type and be like, mm-hmm, totally doing something important. Um, yeah, you have to write really badly. That's the first step. So hopefully everyone's been doing
0: that. That's a huge lesson, just yeah. being able to throw away
1: yeah. some stuff. When you
0: and- first write, you're going to be terrible. The first draft of
1: all the stuff you write will likely be terrible. Everybody I know... Writes terrible drafts of good books. Like, it's part of, I don't, I think that people are very freaked out by messing up or failure. And you have to run out and fail a whole, I mean, literally what? Literally every book, you have to write it badly first and then just sort of see what you have. You have to put something down, and just kind of, all right, this looks like the shape of the thing I'm building. And you have to be completely unafraid of, Writing badly because you're going to go back and you're going to do it a whole bunch of times. And then people will read your stuff and some people will say, no, I don't like it. I don't want it. And that's fine. It doesn't matter. It's all part of it. If someone said no to you, great. That's all part of the job. So there's no... Then you just keep trying forever as much as you want. <laughs> that's it. It's really very simple. And um, if it's, it's all about being comfortable with hearing no or getting it wrong.
0: Does that being comfortable with that, is that something that comes with time or like that discipline of actually writing every Mm day and that discipline of letting those no's and rejections just slide off your back? uh, Is that something that comes with time?
1: I think so. I mean, I did a lot of I think I always had the knowledge that all writing for many, many years would be practice that I was practice writing. I practice wrote a whole bunch of books. I practice wrote plays. I practiced. I just was like, okay, I have to learn the form. I have to figure out what I'm doing. I'm going to switch the point of view. I'm going to just, you have to practice a lot. It's like if you say wanted to play an instrument, it wouldn't be like, well, I want to play the piano. So I'm going to give myself an afternoon. Like, no, you, you practice, you do it a long time and you take, you know, you don't even need to take lessons with writing. You really do teach yourself, but you need time to learn how to do it. And yeah. So it's just time and practice. And it's not even nos or rejections. it's just you're just getting notes, really. You're just getting notes
0: you go, okay, you don't some notes you don't even need, so were you involved in like writers' groups like when it comes to you write something mm-hmm. and then you pass it on to have other eyes look at it?
1: Yes, and I'm lucky to have the writers' group I do because um i a lot of y a writers were all good friends, so we travel together, we work you know we talk plot and structure all the time together, and so the people that are in my writers' group are just an astonishing group of people, like <laughs> they're a big deal, like great, brilliant writers, so I mean, I feel like I'm that in that I am truly spoiled beyond beyond belief so yeah it's it's also because it's a job that you do alone, being able to work with others is a,
0: it's a very solitary endeavor, yeah, you get weird. <laughs> Go on and on with descriptions of oranges and lemons. Yeah, and, and you and no one, get lost in it. No one makes you do it on a day to day basis. So you have to be,
1: you know, because if you have a book to, sometimes you're like, you know what, I really need to do today is like paint the ceiling. <laughs> I've done it, I've painted the ceiling. You will do anything. Because you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what this happens in this chapter, so I don't know. I guess I'm going to go polish every doorknob.
0: Exactly. It's so hard to stay in the chair because yeah. there's dishes to be done. There's, yeah. you know, there's dust on the floor.
1: It's tough. I have polished things that don't, people don't know. I have polished trash cans. Look, they're stainless steel. They have to be shiny. <laughs> I have polished televisions. I have clean doorknobs. Just wiping it with a little cloth. <laughs>
0: This is important stuff for writers. I mean they have to understand that the struggles and the mental struggles that yeah. they're going through is normal. Oh, it's totally normal. And it's okay. No one
1: has a cleaner house than our writer on deadline.
0: <laughs> yeah
1: they' where you're gonna they're out they're they're mowing their lawn they're just running in circles around the neighborhood. They're like, I need to go to the hardware store to buy all these nails and they're like, you don't even need nails. you're like, who but I might so I have to make sure I have enough nails for my nail collection. I get it. Now I have to go back out and get a hammer because <laughs> I got all these nails. Home Depot, here I come. Yeah. You do dumb, unnecessary stuff. The craziest thing I ever did was, was 2 a.m. on a winter's night. This was way back when I lived in this terrible apartment. And I was like, forget about it. I'm ripping out this kitchen floor because it's gross. And I didn't even put gloves on. I ripped that. It was like a put down floor. I ripped it out with my bare hands. <laughs> so I was like, goodbye, floor. Then i took out the floor then i went to the store and i was like give me some more floor and i went back and i installed a new floor <laughs> i was like we'll do anything i will do anything to write this book
0: that's avoidance right i put, on a, I put it on the floor <laughs> whenever people are like yeah i was put in my chair i'm like
1: have you ever ripped up a floor with your bare hands <laughs> talk to me then
0: exactly oh we all do it everybody knows it you said you had to write you really really wanted to write mm-hmm. an authentic Murder mystery, mystery. Yes. yes. Why?
1: Because I'm obsessed with them. And all my life, that's the main thing I read as a child. And I think it was the number one... It's the thing I... It's closest to my heart. It's the genre I understand the most. It's just... It's so deep in me that I think I thought I wasn't allowed to do it, if that makes any sense. Mm. The thing that you're closest to, you're like, well, that's that's not for me. That just happens... Other people do that, and I read them. I don't... And then
0: I was said, well, what what if you did, what if you did,
1: what if?
0: And so I did. That was another point when I was scribbling down murder mysteries and writing them Mm -hmm. and how to navigate the maze of this type of story. The amount of what ifs Mm -hmm. blew my mind. A lot of what what ifing. Just Stevie's journey. There are so many what ifs. It was just mind boggling. Yeah, a lot of, lot
1: of tales that you can go down. And that's what's fun is that you're, when you create a mystery, say you're building, it's like you're building a giant city or like a maze and there's lots of route through and you know that the route, which way the route goes and you go down. But you're, you're letting people know like, oh, you could turn down there. You could turn down there. You're building little areas that you know that are blinds. That's fun. I'd be like, yeah, you can go down there if you want, but I know it's not the right way. So it's fun. It's like building an escape room for someone's mind. <laughs> that's it. It's That's fun. exactly it's it. It's really fun.
0: I never thought about that. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. It's great. It's I love so fun. that.
1: <laughs> They're puzzles. Mystery books are puzzles. I mean, that when I was when I was doing this, I decided to treat myself by rewriting. Re, I'm sorry, rereading piles and piles of classic mysteries. The classic stuff like. Well, also a lot of stuff is being re released by the British Library because there was this giant period in the 30s and 40s where there were hundreds, thousands of mystery novels that kind of went and then went out of print and they're bringing them back hundreds of them so you can read hundreds of these books that were published in the 30s that were all kinds of you know just your classic straight up mystery straight up mystery novels the train the cottage the the vicar the <laughs> you name it every every small town every train station some of them are deadly boring and some of them are amazing there's ones that are like the one introduction said basically you got to really like trains to read this book. <laughs> you're going to have to really get, I mean, we're not lying to you here. Unless you're really into details about trains, you're going to have a hard time with this one. And I was like, I'll give it a go. Oh, and the bolts on the carriage were obvious. And there was a lot of, and the timetable and the 552 train, which goes into the tunnel. It, You get that? But there's also one that takes place in a
0: zoo. It's, they're just great. So that's, that's a lot that's great information for high diehard readers mm-hmm. Where is this republishing of books so if people are interested in finding the, these types of mm-hmm. nuggets where would they go for things like that the british library is british library has, that they are their own publisher and so okay. they have they so they, you can they just go online well
1: and, they I, yeah you can they, it's oh a publishing God. company but they also i got lucky they send them all to me so every couple weeks i get another box of the new ones that they're putting out and they've basically found a treasure trove of stuff but things like Dorothy Al Sayers is one of my absolute favorites. Um, yeah, I went back and I read read some of my Agatha Christies, and I read rewrote all my Sherlock. I was a Sherlock Holmes obsessive. But I also read a bunch of theory on that was written at the time on crime fiction, and a lot of it asked the question of why is this such why is this so pleasurable? We're talking about murders, we're talking about mm-hmm. kind of terrible things, and why have we created this thing that's like. So adorable and delightful that there is entire genre called cozy mysteries, which are always like adorable coffee-based mysteries where there's a recipe in the end, and there's, you know, it's or murder at the at the garden center, or you know, it, they're literally called cozy mysteries. If you've never seen the cozy, uh, go into your local independent bookstore and say, "Show me your cozy mystery section," and they will take you. I'm writing this down as you're saying it to the most adorable section of books you have ever seen. And the title I made up the other day when I was trying to explain what they, their titles are all puns, like cappuccinos and decapitation. Like they have titles <laughs> like that. That's good. They're totally adorable and they frequently do have a recipe. In them. But how does that happen? You're talking about death. And it I, one of the theories is that it's a lot of these kinds of stories came out of, say, the period in England that they were at war. And death was so much mm. of a feat, you know, that that Agatha Christie was trained. As a, she was a pharmacist, an associate pharmacist in World War One, and a nurse. So a lot of the poison stuff that she does was stuff she had to learn because she was a, a dispensing chemist. So um, you write what you know. You write what you know, and sh- and she wrote again in, dur- during World War Two. You know, she was writing as the bombs were going off around London, and she wrote the ends of her two main characters. She wrote those final books in the '40s, and put them in a vault because she's like, I may die, so. I'm taking care of her Poirot and miss Marple and mm. i'm gonna and she and they were kept in a vault until her death, and they were released in nineteen seventy six so yeah. I mean, it's it's weird, but it's a, it's a convention we understand, which is why we watch Sherlock and why we watch Murder, She Wrote, or, Absolutely. you know, like, the most adorable of and all. And Hallmark
0: with Murder, She Baked, yeah. and, and they're huge.
1: Jessica Fletcher and her terrible yes. luck of everywhere she goes, or one of my like, personal... why are we still
0: living in this town? Everybody's dying. <laughs> yeah, there's not too many people left,
1: you know, at a certain point, like, maybe Jessica Fletcher did it. Or my favorite, Psych, which is just one of my favorite shows of all time. But yeah, it's it's fun, it's pleasant, it's like, oh, you know, it's, or all of the bazillions of wonderful UK, you know, shows like Inspector Morris or Lewis or you name it. Then there's darker ones, but they're lighter ones. But we all kind of accept it's like a lovely cup of tea,
0: you know. A it's like comfort food. Mm-hmm. It's like comfort but food. But they're also
1: great. Like, there's genius ones. And like, for example, Go Gaudi- Day Night with Dorothy, also. she's talking about. The representation—it's a very intense novel about women scholarship at Oxford, because it takes place at the only female college at Oxford, and that was where she went. And it talks about women in literature and women. I mean, some of her books are literally about the act of women writing mystery novels, mm-hmm. and she's writing this in the 30s. She's uh, she's brilliant. She's next level brilliant. If if you're ever going to read a Gaudi Night, is just astonishing. It's so Let's good. Spell that. G a u d y. I believe it, it me it's it's an English term for like a reunion, okay. Um, but she's her 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 level you know it, it was it gets dismissed a lot, but hers is is high literature, no matter what level you want to come in at it's I think it is all good. absolutely. so what challenges you at this point as a writer? Everything finishing, finishing, <laughs> so that never gets old <laughs> No. All of my books have been finished in a teeth-grinding frenzy. Um, I write a lot. Um, I like to really build up ahead of steam and then just really go, go, go. And then when I go into my office, you know, I don't... The door shuts and I'm Mm. like, come and see me in two weeks. Push some food under the door. Cheese slices, very flat drinks. You know, anything you can get under there. Just spill some water under there. I'll lap it up on the side. (laughs) What was challenging about
0: the Truly Devious series?
1: Doing the books in thirds... Figuring out, so the, I also figured out from the get-go how to, what to reveal in each book. So I knew you would get this in this book, this in the second book, and this in the third book. Um, and now I'm on the third book and tracking. So I have a, a complicated system consisting of billions of Post-it notes of all the things I have to make sure. And checklists of all the things I've put in there that I have to make yeah. sure pay off to all the different. Because they all pay off different stories. They don't all pay off the same things, but they they come together at points. So it's kind of this interweaving system. So
0: that's so a wallpaper of just Post-it notes. Sometimes I can just envision it.
1: it's wallpaper. Sometimes they're just in my pockets. Like today, I'm pointing at my backpack. They're in there in like these clear plastic folders. So okay. I take them down, and then I kind of stick them. I jam them together, and I put them in a container, and I take them with me. So when you go to the airport, you're like, you want to see all my (laughs) post-its? You want to see
0: all my my chunky layers of just post-it garbage? People say no, because they don't. Are you a creature of habit? Do you have a ritual when it comes? Oh, you don't?
1: No, because I have to write everywhere under different circumstances at different times. So the best thing is just shut everything off, shut the internet down, and yeah, I don't have any magical, you know, I like to write outside if I can. Also, the, the most getting rid of distractions and getting rid of the Internet are two of the best things you can do. And after that, it's just then.
0: Then, you know, get to it. When can we expect the third?
1: Early next year it's January or February. They, they'll oh give the exact they've come out. You know, we said when the, once they started, they would come out at the same time each year. So this one, the first one was a January. That one was a January. And the next last one will be January or it'll be just that that time period, the exact date. TBD. TBD. But definitely early next year, around that time.
0: I have to say, I still, I love the anticipation because now we live in a society now where everybody binge watches Mm -hmm. things and I still enjoy reading the book, finishing it and being so frustrated and upset that I have to wait yeah I don't like that waiting but but I do like the waiting. it's nice to have I like a, that it's anticipation good that you
1: know that you're like oh I get that I got a thing like oh around Christmas time that thing I like will come you know it's nice yeah to have built in those events of I am gonna get you know oh that show will come back or that book will come out or yeah it is it is good at the same time I totally understand if you'd want to wait until the third one came out to do the whole thing in one go
0: yeah it's like getting mail back in the day, where you were expecting a letter, just that anticipation and looking forward to it. Oh, Mr. Mailman! Yeah, <laughs> back when back when you used to wait for a telegram to come. Ding 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 ding. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What else are you working on? Uh, other books. Other books. Other books. Can't talk about them yet. Okay. Things.
1: I'm work. I'm. There's always something new, but yes, there's other things coming. Um, but the next thing that's just being finished right now is book three. Okay. It's with me. It's getting tidied
0: up, finished up, put in a box. It shot out the door. <laughs> One thing, too, I wanted to say uh, about Ellingham and just when you were describing it, um, it it had a sense of that gothic.
1: Yeah, some of the books are literally gothic.
0: Yes, which I love. I've always loved that element. Yeah, yeah. put a little of the, the spires. Yeah. The, there should be a good the house. You know, the house always plays such a huge role in these books.
1: The house, and I looked a lot at building styles, and I modeled it after everything from, say, the Winchester Mystery House, which is a strange California... Very strange. That has... Oh, my gosh. That was built continuously for 20-some-odd mm-hmm. years. The whole idea of the house is that it would always be under construction, and so it was a doors weird... Doors that lead to nowhere. Doors that lead to nowhere. Stairs that lead to nowhere. It was a thing where a woman thought
0: she had a... Should the belief that if her house stopped being built, she would die? Yes, she truly believed as long as she kept building, that she would. Yeah, there was some kind of immortality attached to to the house. So she just hired people to constantly
1: build her house, and and just make it. It makes no sense.
0: It's just oh, but it does. Stairs and doors and walls (laughs) and places that go nowhere. What town is that in? San Jose. Is it San Jose? I think it's Northern California. Oh,
1: okay. Very it is far nor- from here.
0: Yeah. Very far. Mm. <laughs> I want to show these books one more time. We have Truly Devious, which is the first in the, the series. And then The Vanishing Stare, which is the second in the series. And the third one will be coming out January. Yes. yes. 2020. January
1: or early February. Or early it's February. right in that couple of week period.
0: These are so much fun. If you are a a mystery, murder, riddle-me-this kind of gal and guy, these will not disappoint. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Where can people find you? On social media.
1: Oh, my goodness. I know. If you're on Twitter, I'm at Maureen Johnson. And online, uh, just generally, it's uh, maureenjohnsonbooks.com. Okay.
0: And you can find me on Twitter at Tammy Govea, Insta Facebook, Tammy Govea Official. Make sure and go get these books. Audible is also a fun experience. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you, Maureen. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Bye, guys. From executive producers Kevin Undergaro, Maria Menounos, and Jeffrey Masters, thanks for tuning in to Book Circle Online. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment. To suggest a book title or their author, you can tweet us at Book Circle On. This is Book Circle Online.